The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast, CBS Sports Daily NFL Podcast. I'm Will Brinson. I'm your host. It is Thursday, February 3rd for at least another hour on the East Coast, and we are breaking down the Jaguars hire. It's an emergency podcast. Doug Peterson hired by the Jacksonville Jaguars. Of course, we dis- we discussed having, you know, uh, Jackson, former Jacksonville resident Pete Prisco on. We discussed yeah. having CBS Sports NFL insider Jason Lockenfora on. We thought about getting the super friends, Ryan Wilson and John Breach on. No, no, no. There's only one man suited. What a, what adult human being on the planet suited to talk about Doug getting hired, and it's Debo, Debo in the house. What's up, buddy? It's as simple as that. It's Doug is back in Jacksonville, the second Doug to be the head coach of the Jaguars. And, yeah, I'm thrilled. And who would have thunk it that me and you would be the most reliable emergency podcast mm-hmm. duo of 2022? I mean, I would have guessed me, if only because this is like my like my primary yeah. right obligation, and I, I feel like I've only missed maybe one or two emergency podcasts. But uh, the Antonio Brown, one of the Antonio Brown ones last last year, I think I was at. A- you missed Jay Jay Gruden getting fired by Washington. Oh, I distinctly I? remember that one. Where was I? On the golf course, probably in in early October. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, Anywho, yeah, John Breach and Ryan Wilson sort of uh, – well, Wilson is in his defense is in Mobile, Alabama. Uh, Breach has no defense. It's 10 o'clock p.m., and it's my day off. But he did hook us up with a fantastic show that's coming out tomorrow. Why don't you tell the people? Oh, man. I mentioned it on the Josina Anderson show from earlier on Thursday. Tomorrow, you guys are going to want to watch and listen to our – Special podcast with me and John Breach and Jim Breach and Jim Breach. When we said, Hey, Jim, will you come on the show and talk about the Bengals being in the Super Bowl? He's like, Yeah, absolutely. Of course, it's my son's podcast. And I was like, Well, Jim, it's not really his podcast, but he is on the podcast. Yes. So thank you for that. And then Jim goes, Would you guys like me to bring Anthony Munoz on? We're like, yeah, we would like you to bring the only Bengals Hall of Famer who, by the way, happens to be hilarious. And uh, they came on and they told stories, like insane stories. A story about catching a ride with a waitress in a Camaro to the 1980 AFC Championship game, a.k.a. the Freezer Bowl. It is an absolute blast. So make sure. And you don't have to be a Bengals fan. No, no, no. You don't have to be a Bengals fan to listen. You'll appreciate it maybe a little bit more if you are a Cincinnati fan or from Cincinnati, but just being an NFL fan, appreciating these stories won't be hard to do. It is an awesome episode. Uh, you will like when I, if I, I mean, I guess I should, probably shouldn't say this, but like when I laugh at something that like is something that happens on the podcast, like if I, if I am truly, truly entertained by it, I will go flying back in my seat. I bet I did that six or seven times in the show. I mean, it is, it is a, it is a it is a really really entertaining podcast. I did not want to end it, and it, it's like an hour long. So check that out. Hour uh, and five, sixty five minutes. Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, like, you know, I don't, I don't. I mean, I, I don't, I don't. We don't toot our own horn that much. We're like, like, hey, this is a great show. That was a really entertaining show. Um, 
So anyway, Doug Peterson hired by the Jacksonville Jaguars. If you're if you're watching in YouTube, smash the like button, please. Um, I don't know. We're gonna we can't. You know. uh, I would. By, hey, by the way, random note on this coaching cycle, and you sort of touched on it, Debo. Super annoying. The timing of these hires, like we got a, we got Late a night. Yeah, it's like we got a Friday night six thirty. Got a, a ten. Like a, I feel like I've been on HQ late a at night. Thirty minutes before the AFC Championship yeah. with Josh McDaniels. Oh, Raiders of them too to do it to the Chiefs like that. Um, we're still here for you. But we're still here for you. And uh, again, if you're listening on Spotify, if you're if you're watching on YouTube, even if you're watching the replay, smash that like button. If you are listening on Spotify, they have added. Uh, the five-star rating system. So please uh, go ahead and and, and give us that five-star rating if you get a chance. Let's talk Doug Peterson. So, I mean, the one of the primary things that's being, you know, we're not going to – I don't want to make this the full center of the conversation, but I do want to touch on it briefly. Uh, we did, you know, because it, it's being mentioned out there, uh, all – we've had six coaching hires? Yes. And they're all middle-aged white guys. Like, and it's really difficult because, you know, when there were four white guys hired, people were like, oh, everybody's watching. The NFL better be careful here. It's like, well, I mean, you don't want the Jaguars to just, like, you're like, pat, like you don't want anybody to pass over a, a the, their best candidate in order to, you know, hire, you know, in order to fill some obligation. I, I don't think. Um, but it is at the same time, it's like, as this is all going on, it's like, and then another white guy got hired. Uh, it, um, it now lies with the dolphins, saints and Texans saints look like they might go internal Texans. Uh, they are interviewing Robert Flores and uh, Brian Flores, Robert Flores, a sports anchor. uh, <laughs> take another drink, uh, Brian Flores and, um, Eric B you know, the dolphins, who the hell wants to work for them right now with their situation um and then the texans uh, we'll we'll see what direction they go brian flores is in play there do you think that this is i mean is it, it, it i mean i i, I want to touch on it because i think it is a thing and we and if you if you want more on it josina anderson and i talked about it at length and actually some really revealing you know conversation you know conversation pieces with you know i mean it just I, she illuminated me some things that i hadn't thought of before as it relates to you know, discrimination practices, et cetera. Yeah. I mean, to sum it up, I think it's unacceptable that this is continuing to happen, especially with revelations of the past few days. I would say that Doug Peterson is probably the most qualified candidate of this hiring cycle and, and pretty much any candidate that had been mentioned out there winning a Super Bowl. But to have zero black head coaches hired, nine vacancies total, six have been filled. Unacceptable is the word. Yeah. And again, like I don't, it is, it's tough to, I don't think it's fair to say, okay, four teams have hired white guys. It's on the other four teams to, you know, to, to figure it out. Like it, you kind of have to take each, each coaching job at its, it sort of, I think, look at it, it individually. And for the Jacksonville Jaguars, they had an opportunity to hire a minority. Byron Leftwich was willing to come to Jacksonville and take that job. If everything you hear, but he was not going to work with Trent Balky as the GM. He wanted Balky out, and he wanted Adrian Wilson in. The obvious reason is that if you look at what happened in San Francisco with Trent Balky, you know, Jim Harbaugh lost a power struggle. Harbaugh went like on like sixty five percent of his games, lost you know lost a power struggle, and was sent packing out of San Francisco despite going to 
what, three NFC championship games in his first three years. I mean, so beyond I, that, why do you think, can you kind of sum up why Balky has that such a negative connotation attached to him? I feel like it goes beyond the San Francisco Harbaugh situation, just kind of the rumors that you've heard trickling out recently. Well, I mean, yeah, the, yeah. The, um, if you, if you listen to anybody who knows anything in Jacksonville, it, you would come away with the belief and Brady, I think Brady has hinted at this maybe, or is Pete, somebody's hinted at it. You, I think it was Brady. Actually, you come away with a pretty firm belief that a lot of the things about urban Meyer that got out into the public, including that he, uh, what he kick a kicker, he kicked a kicker may or may not have come from Trent Balky. I mean, everyone who's ever worked with him ends up being fired. He has been described by plenty of people that I've heard talk about it as a snake in the grass. So you are running the risk uh, when you go and work with Trent Balky, who already has the owner's ear when you're coming in as a new head coach in an arranged marriage, you're running the risk of being Game, game of thrones Um it's now, funny, uh, just just the terminology snake in the grass is something that I have heard to describe the Eagles' current general manager, longtime general manager, Howie Roseman, yes. who used to oversee Doug Peterson in Philadelphia. Now, Doug, with another snake in the grass is interesting. We'll get more into that. We can go back to Leftwich, but that just that stands out. No, no, no. I think that was that was the first thing I thought when Doug Peterson got hired. He's like, you because Doug got fired. Why am I calling him Doug now? This sucks. Um, it's his name. <laughs> so Pete, Doug got fired in Philadelphia, but it was very clear that he wasn't fired because he sucked as a coach. He was fired because he was not on the same page with Howie Roseman. And Howie Roseman had Jeffrey Lurie's ear. And I've said, I, I think it's one of those situations where he wasn't super upset that he was being let go by the Eagles. Right. Because exactly. of that situation. He accomplished what he Came there to do five seasons, the most significant coach in Eagles history. That's why. Um, I mean, I, is that right? He won a is Super Bowl. Right? Yes, it's it's right. Okay. I mean, he won the Super Bowl. It's hard not to. I'm not saying the best. Him. Nick Foles is the most significant quarterback in Eagles history. I'll, <laughs> I'll use that word. It's a Super Bowl. Okay. Yeah, I mean, Doug Peterson went 42 and 37, 42, 37 and one in his five seasons with the Eagles, seven and nine his first year. 13 and three when he won the Super Bowl in his second year, nine and seven, nine and seven, four, 11 and one in that final season when they were really decimated by injury, too. Uh, in 20, how was that only last year? My God, it feels like it was so long ago. So Doug took the 21, 2021 season off and, and now is coming back to Jacksonville. Um, I think it's fair to have concerns about the bulky stuff, you know, uh, and how they will work together. I did see Jason Lock and Fora tweet. Uh, our, our, of course, friend of the podcast and CBS Sports NFL Insider tweeted that um, I got to sift through these heavy metal tweets. JLC uh, in a, a recently fired GM, right? Yeah, Doug Peterson will be the next head coach of the Jaguars. Working on finalizing contract now remains to be seen if former Vikings GM Rick Spielman joins him in front office capacity. Now that's really now, what do you? Oh, sorry, ahead, sorry, not asking. What do you think that structure would be? Spielman ahead of Balky? I would. That's possible. Because, again, like, I, look, this Jacksonville Jaguars job has a lot of things to like about it. But it, it also has Trent Balky. And I would just be surprised. So, you know, you don't often get more than two shots as a head coach. I mean, like what John, like I'm just trying to think of, like, the guys who got, like, John Fox. 
you know, is the first one that comes to mind with Carolina, Denver, and, and he went to a Super Bowl with each of the first two teams. So, you know, that's why he was able to secure that job. You know, Adam Gase, maybe he, Rex Ryan only got two shots, yeah. right? Counting Belichick. I mean, Belichick, I mean, Belichick would get a third shot if he, if he got fired. No, so. I'm saying, I mean, Cleveland, Jets, and. Oh, Patriots. no, I don't, I don't got the Jets yet because he, he walked away. <laughs> yeah, good call. Um, you know, just, I mean, even big name head coaches who have won a lot don't often get, it's just hard to get three chances. So Doug Peterson with a Super Bowl in his back, with a Super Bowl on his resume, would in theory want to be particular about the job he chose. So I would guess that after Byron Leftwich went to the Jaguars and said, I want Balky out, I want Adrian Wilson in, and the Jaguars decided not to do it. I mean, Trent Balky's in the building. It's easy to see how he would convince them not to do that. I think Which, by possible. the way, we'll we'll talk about Doug's balls Archie, later on. Archie in the chat is a good point. Parcells, far more than far more than three jobs for sure. Yeah, but for yeah, sure. what do you have? I, New England, I would just say Jets, Cowboys, Jets. Dolphins. Be coach in Miami, or is he just the, the front office guy in Miami? Giants, obviously. Giants. Yeah, Giants starting with Giants. Yeah, one of Super Bowl Giants. I'm gonna talk about. Um, anyway, I, I wouldn't. I think it's possible that you could see. Like trip, trip, maybe Doug Peterson went to the Jaguars and said, "Look, you know, I'm not going to make a a, a a demand that Trent Balky be out, but I need a buffer. I need some. I need someone. I want. I want someone who is aligned in my vision in the front office to help me do this. So maybe Rick Spielman, who was going to be promoted, we heard to a, like a VP of football operations job in Minnesota before he was let go." Maybe he gets that title in Jacksonville with the ability to sort of be a buffer between Trent Baalke and, and Shad Khan. I mean, that's just a guess. I, I don't know. I would be very surprised if Trent Baalke was demoted like uh, immediately and Rick Spielman was the GM. I think it's more likely he would be in like a Tom Caldwell position where he does have, you know, if, if Baalke did something like try to make a power play, he would have the authority to squash it. You know what I'm saying? That would be my. And I think and interesting to note that Spielman, I think pretty well regarded around the league, but also had a falling out with his head coach, apparently in Mike Zimmer. I think Deion Sanders kind of spilled the tea a little bit on that one. Sanders being super close to Mike Zimmer, but saying that Spielman and Zimmer didn't talk for the last three months of the season. And That's wild. You know, I don't know if we're to blame Spielman, Zimmer, or, or both on that one, but that's bringing just a little bit of baggage potentially to Jacksonville when you're talking about the interaction with with head coaches. But yeah, I think you're the one when we rank the head coaching vacancies, put the Jaguars at the top with the qualifier. If Trent Balky is around, then it probably slides down the list a little bit. And you're right, Doug Peterson probably had a, a decent selection of, of jobs talking about the job that we talked about last night. If you're Doug Peterson, knowing kind of the power structure, would you rather be in Minnesota or Jacksonville? Yeah, exactly. Um, great, uh, great tweet from friend of the pod, Kevin Clark of the ringer. Trent Baalke has fired four coaches in his last four seasons at GM, which means he's employed more coaches in four seasons than the Steelers have since the merger. Truly amazing. Um, okay. Let's take a break. And when we come back, we'll talk about how, you know, how Doug will actually fit with this, uh, with this roster next. 
The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads ensure you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drives you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Whether you're tailgating out in the dirt lot, Carter Finley, shout out Carter Finley, or whether you're whitewater rafting, taking the entire family on an adventurous trip, maybe you're out camping at Mount Rogers, I used to go as a kid, wish my parents had a Hyundai Santa Fe, the Hyundai Santa Fe is perfect for your family outing, learn more about the all new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com, call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. So, Doug Peterson, now taking over the Jaguars. I mean, look, you look at this job. There are myriad problems in terms of the roster. It is, they've had so many high draft picks for just the second time in franchise history, because last year was the first, they will have the number one overall pick, back-to-back years. They have had, what, one winning season in the last, like 2017, I think is their only winning season uh, it's basically since Jack Del Rio was fired. 15 and 50 since that 2017 season, since they lost to the Patriots in the AFC championship game. The AFC championship game. That is, imagine if you were getting 100K for every loss in Jacksonville. You'd be- and we thought so highly of that defense at the time. Wild. Um, looking at this roster, I mean, there's, there's just massive holes everywhere. They're going to be Cam Robinson and Andrew Norwell, the entire left side of the line. Adios. Oh, they're free agents. I suppose they could, you know, could eventually retain them. Um, you know, they have uh, uh, James Robinson at running back, nice player. Trevor Lawrence at quarterback. I am still very much in on Trevor Lawrence, and I do yep. think too that this was a good buy low opportunity for Doug Peterson because, you know, Lawrence didn't have this spectacular rookie season that would have everyone clamoring for this job and the bulky thing, right? Um, you know, his best wide receiver is Marvin Jones and then LaVisca Chenault. It's about all they've got. Josh Allen is a blue chip player at, uh, at, uh, as a pass rusher. Uh, Miles Jack is like quietly getting up there. I mean, he's in his like seventh year coming up. Um, Caleb on Chason is a former first round pick. God, they already gave up on freaking um, Chark will still be back though. Right. Yeah. Chark about the coming back. Yeah, he's, yeah. he's a good young player. There's just not a lot of, Tyson Campbell was a, an early pick. Uh, who's the guy they traded that they already gave up on? Uh, uh, Henderson. Henderson, yeah. They traded CJ Henderson. Yeah. So they traded him for uh, freaking um, uh, tight end. Uh, Dan, um, uh, it's so late. Uh, anyway, there's not a ton of. How am I forgetting the guys? Dan Arnold. Uh, there we go. It's. Um, there's Here's not. A, yeah. 
pure trade. There's not a ton of talent on the roster. They have a bunch of salary cap space. They have sixty a, million. Yep, sixty million salary cap space. They have the number one overall draft pick, which means they have the number one pick in the second round as well because they had the worst record by far. Um, there is a lot. Of, it is essentially the same setup as it was for Urban Meyer when he came in last year, except Doug Peterson and Rick Spielman and Trent Baalke, in theory, having done this previously, should know how to bring free agents in and you know should know how to develop some players. So, you know, this draft is not great, but it is not bad for the Jaguars because up top there are some offensive linemen, Evan Neal, and then there's some defensive players like Aiden Hutchinson, uh, or um, uh, Kayvon uh, Thibodeau, who could both go first overall. My boy Icky from NC State, the left tackle there too. You want to pronounce it? Quano? Um, yeah, you got it. Uh, so, like, all those guys are in play at the top. I also think there's a possibility that with Malik Willis sort of surging, having a big senior bowl, maybe he has a big combine. Maybe there's a team in, like, the top 10 that wants to get up there the Jaguars could be willing to trade down to pick up like, and you, do it. You think all the way up there. I just think the Jaguars, I think teams should do this more often. They don't. I think the Jaguars should consider unless they are just in love with one of the top prospects. Oh, I would consider, I think it's the other way around where a team may not feel the need to get all the way up to one. No, but I'm obviously saying that, if you want to feel confident, I'm saying that you move down for a lesser price than normal. Like you move down to like six, so in that way you know you get Malik Willis and he's locked in. It, I, I think that's probably a long shot, but just but a, it might not add up on that trade chart. You know, the the value that you get for six might not be traditionally what you would ask. There. Right, like like, and I mean this would be insane, but or you trade down to five, or what are the Panthers at six? Panthers are at six, right? Let's say the Panthers want and Panthers are at six, Giants are at five and seven. And and again, we've seen a deal be made between the Panthers and the Jaguars earlier this year. We're, we just talked about it. Um, let's, you trade five and five for five and a future first for number one overall, and you grab Malik Willis. I, like I, I just I, like and maybe like some other stuff, but like not the normal three first rounders to get all the way up there. Just because Jacksonville prefers assets, especially like future assets from a team like Carolina who could stink next year. Uh, to having, um, you know, uh, to having to take someone at number one overall, it feels it feels a lot like 2013 in that sense, where the Chiefs were badly wanted to trade out of the first overall pick. Andy Reid did, couldn't get out of it, couldn't, and just had to pick between Eric Fisher or Luke Jokel. Took Fisher. He eventually became a, a pretty good player, but he wasn't very good out of the gates. And J Jokel was a disaster for the Jaguars. So. You know, you're kind of stuck at the top, and you have these needs versus you know, the needs kind of match up with the draft, at least for the Jaguars, is what I'm saying. So you can bring in some good young players. You have the salary cap space to maybe add some veterans who can shore up your roster. Like, would a if the if the Rams win the Super Bowl, would a Von Miller be willing to just get a like? Let's say Von wins Super Bowl MVP, has six sacks. Would Von be willing to say, you know what? I'm going to do a three-year deal in Jacksonville for like $60 million or like, you know, $60 million or something insane like that. That would not like, not is that the move though for a smart organization oh, probably to go not. after a, a guy in his thirties? But I'm just saying they could, they could, they're in, they're in Florida, no income tax. They have a yeah. ton of money. You could potentially lure some veterans down there to, to just to boost your success early on. Just a, just a yeah. thought. 
look, I think Von Miller's already getting fitted for Canton, Ohio. If you get two rings, yes, if you're him, you're flying to Florida the first chance That's you what get. I'm saying. It's just a, it's just a, it's like you're not ring chasing, you're cash chasing, you know? And like you're, you're just there. I mean, it's just a hypothetical for a guy who's a free agent. I think he, if they win or lose, I think he probably goes back to LA because he really likes it there and it's a cool city and he's, you know, playing on a good defense for something cheap. But my point being is that, you know, Jacksonville has the resources to make themselves competitive with a functional coach in a bad division if they do things right. Like last offseason, the Jaguars had the same resources. And they got Trevor Lawrence, but other than that, like Urban Meyer's bitching and moaning that he can't get free agents to come. It's like, well, I mean, this isn't college recruiting, my man. Like, figure it out. And, I, and I, I think people will want to kind of start to compare the situations in in Cincinnati and, and Jacksonville, just being the the teams that had the previous two number one overall picks, and a lot of the comparisons between Joe Burrow and and Trevor Lawrence and. You know, people didn't expect Cincinnati to to take this leap. Obviously, at seventy five to one odds to win the AFC, one hundred fifty one uh, to one odds to win the Super Bowl. No one. I'll go on record now. The Jaguars aren't going to make that leap next year. But how how far away is this team with all those pieces in place? Another number one overall pick and the development of Trevor Lawrence from being in the mix. Do you think? Um, a, a lot further than Cincinnati because you know we talked about it on the what was it what was the mailbag podcast? yeah the mailbag podcast yeah, okay thanks Diva uh, brain gone I'm reading um, your, what's that reading your mind I I work uh, a lot with you yeah we spend too much time together um you look at the draft classes from Cincinnati and it was sort of it wasn't obvious for us to see but they had put a foundation in place to have success if they got the quarterback position right and, you know, the coach, you know, we could get some good coaching and, and that sort of happened and, you know, credit to Zach Taylor. I think when you, and, oh, by the way, the other guy that we didn't mention, cause he was on IR for the entire year, Travis Etienne, very nice piece. Like that's a Doug Peterson running back. If there ever was one, Urban Meyer was going to move him out to wide out. And that's how he probably, how he got hurt. Doug Peterson will make, will turn. Like I could see if you could shore up the offensive line and add one more receiver in the draft, like a good, you know, good young, ready to play wide receiver or in free agency. I could see Doug Peterson getting something out of this offense when no one is really expecting anything. Like Lawrence, ETN, Jones, Chark, Visca, like LaVisca Chenault and Travis ETN are good Doug Peterson players, in my opinion. You know, guys you can move around, do stuff with. Uh, Allen Robinson, who started his career in Jacksonville as a free agent. I don't know if he'd be willing to come back, but I feel like all Sean Jeffrey type. Yeah. Um, look, the Doug is going to run a good offense. He's going to get a lot out of Trevor Lawrence. And just the comparisons a little bit to go back to Philly, you know, in his first season, you know, he gets hired a couple months later. They select Carson Wentz, number two overall in the draft. Obviously not the, the level of the prospect that Trevor Lawrence was and Lawrence already having a season under his belt. But we saw what Doug was able to do for four years with Carson Wentz. 2020, Carson Wentz's regression was was not on Doug Peterson. That was a train wreck of a season. Carson Wentz Everything couldn't, handle the, that, couldn't handle the Foles statue. He lost his mind. I still disagree with you on that, but this is a, a different podcast. I'm in, <laughs> I'm in charge. No tangents right now. But 
No, I mean, and at times, you know, throughout this season, I said the Eagles ended up making the playoffs over exceeded expectations. But a lot of times I said, I kind of wish I saw Doug with Jalen Hurts versus Nick Sirianni with Jalen Hurts. So I think he is going to maximize Trevor Lawrence and and kind of put him in that position where you really truly believe he's going to be. Yes, he threw a lot of picks last year. A lot of the great quarterbacks of all time, uh, Peyton Manning threw the most picks ever as a rookie. You know, th- yeah. we're not Throughout ending the- Trevor Lawrence's yeah. career because of this disaster with Urban Meyer in year one, the future is bright. You're still taking him in a redraft of, of the 2021 quarterbacks. He's still going number one. He's over Mac. He's over Justin Fields over Trey Lance. Yeah. Yes. He's easily, I think. And, um, you with Trevor Lawrence. So he finished the year. He attempted 602 passes, completed 59.6%, 300, 3,641 passing yards, 12 touchdowns, 17 league leading interception sacked 32 times uh, actually had two game-winning drives in a fourth quarter comeback not too shabby for a three and 14 season i i think it is so I know people love my nc state analogies but when dave dorian came to nc state and took over it was the program was in really bad shape and the roster was a disaster and we didn't win a single acc game i think we won like two two total games or three total games really bad season we everybody refers to it as year zero and I think that is a fair way to look at Trevor Lawrence's rookie year. When you take all the things that happened with that, with Urban Meyer and that organization, and and you're asking this kid to make this leap from playing with Clemson guys around him against ACC caliber talent, like it's you know winless NC State. I mean, we were actually better that year, but um, and then you have to go to you know Jacksonville and play with inferior talent to everybody else, with an inferior coach who appeared checked out from most of the time. Uh, you know, and, and everyone else is better than you. Yeah, you're going to struggle. I, I think a head coaching change, a positive head coaching change with an offensive guy will do wonders for Trevor Lawrence. Doug Peterson will get him on the move. He'll use him in the run game, and that's where Trevor Lawrence excels. Urban Meyer didn't do it at all. He didn't even think Trevor Lawrence could sneak. Um, he will set up ETN, and Le- he will use LaVisca Chenault and ETN, guys who thrive in space. And, but like need to have manufactured space and manufactured touches. Sometimes he will get them those touches and they will help Trevor Lawrence. He'll get the ball out quickly. And I would expect that this offense, like this team could be a little bit like, I think what we thought the Bengals might be this year, which is like a five win team with a miserable defense and an offense that was way better than we expected and kept them in more games. Cause the offense was just terrible last year. And I'll just note, he will be aggressive by studies and metrics. He is the most aggressive coach in NFL history. I think Jaguars fans will appreciate that when they're they're down in games. You're not going to have to worry about, uh, you know, fourth and goal from the three and Doug Peterson kicking a field goal. Doug will go for it. He will go for it often. He'll have creative plays. You get down to the goal line. You might get the Duval special. Duval, Duval doesn't sound as good as Philly, Philly, but... He's going to have some moves down there. and All special. I think Pete Briscoe is excited about the hire. Yeah, he's exactly. He's going to be creative. Right. Urban Meyer was not creative. He was not ha- he He wasn't happy he was on the, in that job. He realized he was stuck in that job for like five years, three weeks in, and he didn't want to be there. And, and by most accounts, Doug gets along with the players 
offers ice cream after all the team meetings at the end of the week. And just the opposite of a guy like Urban Meyer. It's just going to be refreshing, I think, for that locker room to have a coach. Now, we, we know their track record, and you brought up Balky's track record with his past couple of jobs and, and getting rid of coaches quickly. Doug has to last longer, obviously, than the, the 13 weeks or whatever it was with, with Urban Meyer. Yeah. And, and he'll have a leash. He'll have a I mean, couple let, years to get this right. You have some pressure eventually having Trevor Lawrence there and obviously that extension that is really not too far away. So you got to get it right within two or three years, but this isn't going to be a situation where you need eight wins to keep your job next year. So if you look at Jaguars head coaches, and we're going to take out Daryl Bevel and Mel Tucker because they were both interim head coaches. Bevel this year, of course, and Mel Tucker in uh, two. 2011. But who did they? Oh, they fired Del Rio midseason and Mel Tucker finished out the season. Um, Urban Meyer, fewest games coached, 13. Mike Malarkey, just 16 games coached, I believe, and I could be wrong here, but that Malarkey was fired by Wayne Weaver and not the cons. But, or am I wrong there? He only got, I think that's right. Um, at any rate, Gus Bradley, 62 games coached. He went 14 and 48. Do you know how patient you have to be to let a man who goes 14 and 48 continue to coach your team and then like give him a tearful farewell? I mean, and Gus is a great guy, walking cup of espresso, but you go 14 and 48 in 62 games, you're doing something right because you should have been fired a long time ago. Doug Marone, 66 games coach, 23 and 43. Yes, they had the one winning season, but he was he replaced Gus Bradley as the Offensive line coach, uh, Tom Coughlin, 128 games coach before the, the cons, clearly. Uh, and then Jack Del Rio, 60, uh, 139 games coach. This is a franchise with that has patience in terms of how they handle their coaches. The Urban Meyer thing being the exception. And, Debo, we're talking about a coach in Doug, Doug. Who, who very easily, I felt like, dealt with the Philadelphia media, in which are a bunch, as I said on HQ, a bunch of like vultures looking for a carcass. Yeah, I heard he, that. Yeah, disagree. No, that's fair. I mean, like, and look, they're nice guys. Like, I, I mean, like, There's I, a lot of idiots too. No, no, look, the I think there are a lot of really smart guys in the Philly media who do a good job, but the Philly media doesn't pull any punches. No, they're, they're going to hound you in those press conferences, and and Peterson handled it very, very well. Jacksonville ain't got that man. There's just no. low pressure. Low focus, like you're just not going to be. People aren't going to be all over you. And uh, I mean, delivering that Super Bowl in year two helps with the Philly media and the Philly fan base to to let them off your your back for a couple of years. And and I had this this grace period, and maybe I should have been more critical in, in year four and year five where things weren't going the way I wanted to. But I, I looked back to two years prior, and I was just like, all right, the Super Bowl was delivered by Doug largely, you know, because of Doug Peterson. So that helps. He's not going to win a Super Bowl. I think we can go on record in, in saying a, a Super Bowl in Jacksonville in year two. This is this is built for the future. This is built for year four, year five of Trevor Lawrence. And, uh, you know, the unnamed number one overall pick in the 2022 draft and, and kind of some of these guys that they might bring in, some of the mercenaries that they bring in this offseason might be gone. But By yeah. the way, this is kind of interesting. I just saw um... – I can't remember if this is whose project this is. I want to say it's like 
like Tannenbaum or Joe Banner or Mike Lombardi, one of those guys, former execs. Um, the 33rd team.com. Do you know who it is? No. It's one of those guys. Like it may be Lombardi. I'm not sure. But uh, earlier this offseason, Doug Peterson wrote a piece for the 33rd team.com called. I missed this from Doug. I'll, I'll send it to you in our Slack chat. It's, it's Doug Peterson calling how to build a Super Bowl winning QB room. So I think that's interesting. And it's, I mean, like Doug Peterson's the author, and he's like, whether you're a first time head coach or a veteran head coach, the ability to establish a strong and stable quarterback room is the most consequential aspect of achieving success in the NFL. Uh, it's, it's not behind a paywall or anything. Um, I'll retweet it that tonight. I'll, re, I'll retweet it real quick. You know, the real key is having that third quarterback in the room. Nate Sudfeld. That year, named yeah. Nate Sudfeld. He, he mentioned Nate Sudfeld in there. Um, <laughs> I saw that briefly. But I think it's interesting that for for our purposes of trying to figure out how he's going to approach this job, that he's got that out there. You know, He didn't mention the roster, but I think you'll see a focus on trying to make sure that he gets a, a strong quarterback room uh, in, in Jacksonville, I mean, based just based solely on, on that headline. Um, what do you think the – what is a good year for Doug Peterson – in 2022 can they double the win total six and 11 Ooh, that's it's kind of impressive they won three games to be honest toss uh jen silvius is a good uh good comment in there jen silvius tax lawyer from uh, california by the way i saw that earlier uh can you send that article to matt rule oh ho, ho, up high down hard love to see it the panthers I mean, yeah sorry go ahead who are going to be the Jaguars will maybe be in the mix, but like who are the who's in the running to be the worst team? I know you think very lowly of, of Carolina. Um, Carolina Detroit, be bad. You can never boost up, even though we think they're headed in the right direction. The Giants have been a disaster in recent years, but Houston, you would say they're trending upwards. Houston, the Jets also, are always in the mix. It's also easy during ha- hashtag coaching. SZN to get amped up about these terrible teams and hired new coaches. You're like, yeah, Doug's the answer in Jacksonville. Let's go. We're like, oh, the Giants built the Bills plan. Like, oh, it's going to work. And then, you know, I mean, like, we were amping up Joe Judge too when he got hired. Yeah. So, I mean, or not we, but like, people were, you know, you're more optimistic this time of year for those bad teams. But I would say, I mean, I wouldn't think, I would be surprised if Jacksonville finished with the number one overall pick again this year or next wow. year. Wow. Three straight. I would be surprised if they did. Oh, okay. Yeah. I think that's where I just think as a, as a Super Bowl winner, you know, I'm saying six wins and you say that might be ambitious. I don't know how thing, how close things got with a team like Minnesota. I know they, they talked to them at least once. Would you be more interested in a job like that where you're, you're expected to compete for the playoffs in year one and then figure it out after with Kirk Cousins? Are you just attracted to that number one overall pick and one of the top four quarterback prospects of all time alongside Luck, Manning, and Elway? I think that the Aaron Rodgers factor would tilt it if Aaron Rodgers walked away or was traded. Right. If we... the Packers, then maybe I'm a little more interested in, in Minnesota. Um, but, uh, you know, looking back, I had forgotten, I, you know, 2016 – Doug Peterson's leading receiver was Zach Ertz, 78 catches, 78 catches, 816 yards. Second leading receiver, Jordan Matthews, 73 catches, 804 yards. Uh, their leading rusher 
was Ryan Matthews, 155 carries, 661 yards. Darren you could have given me five guesses, and I wouldn't have guessed it for that year. And I oh, really wow. <laughs> just yeah. I mean, Jay Jai, Legarrette Blunt came after. That's Ryan Matthews. Wow. Yeah, and that defense had some players. Brandon Graham was a rookie, I guess, that year. Fletcher Cox. No, Graham, Graham was earlier than that. Graham was the the same class. Uh, he was picked right before Earl Thomas. So that that was uh, something the Eagles fans hated for a while. Earl Wolf. Earl Thomas. Earl Thomas. Brandon Graham was what draft was Earl Thomas? 20, 2012? Brandon He's, Graham's up there. What? We're talking about the same guy. I'm right. What are you talking? No. What? No. Brandon, yeah. wait, Brandon Graham out of Tennessee. No, you're talking about Derek Barnett. Oh my God. Yeah. You're, oh my God. What is wrong with me tonight? Come Jesus. on. Don't test me. I know. I was like, what are you talking about? I was like, yeah. Oh God. Derek Barnett. Brady Graham was same draft as Earl Thomas. Yeah. Because wow, for a long time, Eagles fans were upset with the selection of Graham. And then he comes through with a big play in the Super Bowl. Actually, Barnett and, and Graham on both sides of the, the Tom Brady fumble. But Barnett was drafted in the Eagles. Uh, in Doug's second season, he was a rookie when they won the Super Bowl. Oh, because Barnett's not on this team. That's why, because he was a first round pick right. too. In the second right. year. That's why I'm not seeing it. That makes a lot. Malcolm of Jenkins and, and Fletcher Cox were the leader of that defense that Doug inherited. Yeah, I mean, I would uh, let me just look at uh, 2017. I'm gonna look up DVOA real quick for defense. I, I, anecdotally, I remember. Well, you would know that. I guess I should ask you. Um, Eagles defense in 2016 was pretty good, right? Average? Average. Where are they on here? Man. Oh, they were fourth in DVOA in defense that year. In 2016? 2016, that is correct. Wow. And now the DVOA thing, I mean, bear in mind that that also um, – Yeah. That, that could have – they were 12th in points against. So, in other words, they actually did have the profile of a breakout defense, and then they came through with it in 2017. Um, somebody in the chat says that Brandon Graham was 2010 draft. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's Earl Thomas. That's I associate it with that. Um, I, I mean, what is I? Am I? I'm going turn into Prisco in the brain. I mean, um, we talk about coordinators with all these hires. Is is there something that that comes to your mind with potential coordinator hires, or, or what Doug should target with those I, positions? Well, yeah, real quickly. By the way, oh, so they took Brandon Graham over Earl Thomas. I'd forgotten about that. Right, right. Thirteen overall. And Ryan Matthews is 2010 draft too. He was drafted. Right, he might have been twelve. He was drafted right before Brandy Graham, then Earl Thomas, then JPP. What a run! Uh, do you know? Quick trivia for you. Do you know who, what current NFL head coach? You probably know this because we talked about it in the pod. But uh, traded the pick to Seattle that they used. Josh McDaniels. That's right. Yeah, crap! You're always on the podcast. I guess I can't sneak that past you. Um, over under like four times that's been mentioned in the past. Two I, know, I love that fact. <laughs> I mean, the, Josh McDaniels basically kickstarted the Legion of Boom dynasty by giving them the draft pick for Earl Thomas, and then subsequently was part of the team that ended the uh, the the uh, Legion of Boom dynasty. Okay, uh, you asked me about coordinators. coordinators. I think I saw this pointed out by someone in Jacksonville, and I can't remember who it was—a J- Jaguars reporter. There was a if they they could have hired Doug Peterson like two weeks ago and that would have been uh, you think they would prefer that he could have gone out and gotten some of the coaches that maybe have gotten jobs I guess Kafka I know Kafka's a Reed guy but wasn't he on Peterson staff too 
Or did he bounce to Kansas City with Andy? He might have been on like a, uh, a training camp roster where he might have been Doug's backup or like Doug's in Doug's quarterback room. No, they would have. Uh, yeah, he was a player when Doug first came to the Eagles um, after after coaching high school, and and Andy gave Doug a job, and Kafka was a player with the Eagles in in 2010, 2011. They don't even have him listed on the coaching uh, staff on Pro Football Reference. Um, yeah, anyway, he got hired. Uh, what? Um, well, I mean, I'll ask you the question because I think you'll be more knowledgeable about who's worked with him that might make sense as a as a guy who could come along. I mean, Frank Reich, obviously a head coach now somewhere. Nick Sirianni is what, you know, there's not a, there's not a ton of like, like his top guys from that Super Bowl run all got good. Well, jobs. Sirianni wasn't around with Doug, but oh, okay. mind. Thank you. a name that Philadelphia fans love going back to his playing days, thought he should have gotten a, a more serious shot at Deuce the head coaching Staley? job. Deuce and yeah. Duval. I could see that for sure. Currently with Dan Campbell and the Detroit Lions. You see their running backs coach? Assistant, or the, uh, assistant head coach and running backs coach. See, That's the it, immediate name there. Well, that would make a lot of sense because you could also – you could offer him the OC job, which is what you'd have to offer him. And he would be able – and Doug, Doug Peterson is going to call plays, I would assume. Um, but you could bring Deuce over as the OC – and have him focus on like assistant head coach, offensive coordinator, and they wouldn't be able to block that. I don't believe because the OC is a is a although yeah, I don't believe they'd be able to block it. But I'm not I'm not 100 sure if he's currently the assistant head coach. Uh, who else? You know, a name that has bounced around at this point and and has kind of gone with a downward trajectory in his career since that 2017 Super John Bowl. John DiFilippo, who went to <laughs> Eagles win the Super Bowl that year. He's the quarterback's coach. He goes to the Vikings as the OC in 2018, Kirk Cousins' first year. Doesn't really work out. The Jaguars' OC reunited with Nick Foles in 2019. Doesn't really work out. The QB coach for the Bears in 2020. Doesn't really work out. And then the Bears' passing game coordinator slash quarterback's coach in, in 2021. Oh, you know who and, else makes a lot of sense? Unless I'm – and again, like I'm sort of brain farting all over this podcast. Like, I mean, you know. Probably shouldn't take late. a drink. Huh? Late. Yeah, it's late. And it's like the sixth higher, 14th, yeah. uh, 16th emergency podcast of 2022. I'll give you a break. Um, I know that he had to fire Jim Schwartz, but he didn't want to, right? Wasn't that a Larry Roseman thing? That was that was Schwartz more just stepping away at the end of, of, of 2020. And okay. then uh, I could see that as defensive coordinator. He's Absolutely. The, he's the, He's the currently a senior defensive advisor for the Tennessee Titans. He would make a lot of sense. And I mean, look, you can, I thought Jim Schwartz should have gotten another run as a head coach. These dudes who just stop taking the lions. Like you take the lions job and he was, he had the line, they lions were, and jets. Like we said last night, we said, don't take the jets. If you're Todd Bowles, if you don't right. take the lions, if, if you're those, those two coaches and you pick a little bit differently, even if you get fired in that first spot, you're probably getting another opportunity. Absolutely. And so I think that it that could potentially make sense looking at the coaches from those Eagle runs. Uh, you know, he also had uh, – didn't he have Mike Groh? Mike Groh was there for a little bit. Um, yeah. I can't Mike Taylor, who is now a senior offensive assistant with the Colts. So that seems like a, a sizable jump, I, I would say, for Press Taylor at this point. He was – But he could be a – you know, a, a position coach. Right, for sure. Just talking about filling out the roster. But yeah, OC, obviously, of interest. But Doug, known for 
calling his own plays, being pretty analytics driven and relying on, you know, heavy analytics within the front office and, and building out the staff around him and, and kind of credits just kind of one of the first guys to have someone in his earpiece telling him to go for it on fourth down and, and being one of the most aggressive, if not the most aggressive head coach in NFL history. I mean, that's how they beat the, the Patriots was being aggressive when teams are usually not aggressive because they're petrified of, uh, you know, what will happen. Oh, Groves, the OC in 2018, because right left and took the indie job. Um, I will say going back to the, you know, the infamous head coaching rankings list that got bleep fired a couple <laughs> of years ago. The reason that I felt strongly about Doug over Sean McVay at that point is because in their respective Super Bowl appearances in back-to-back years, Doug Peterson firmly outcoached Bill Belichick. And then the next year, Sean McVay crapped his pants against his idol and put up three points in the Super Bowl while the Eagles put up three um, what was I, where was I saying the thing about Matt Patricia? Was that to you last night? <laughs> yes. Okay. Okay. I, 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 dude, I all blends together. I've done, I don't know what day it is. I've done 50 podcasts and radio hits. And I, I couldn't remember where it was, but like, yeah, cause what were we trying to figure out? Who'd gotten, who got a, who, who pooped their pants yes. in the Super Bowl yep. on their side of the ball and then got a head coaching job. Cause it was, uh, who's, who's the one we were trying to compare it with? Oh, uh, I mean, Kevin, o- O'Connell last night, Kevin O'Connell. Yeah. yeah. We're like, are we worried if he, if he lays like if the Rams lay an egg, is that a bad sign? Yeah, that's right. Jen, um, just to be clear, I wouldn't necessarily, and I wouldn't say that now Doug over McVay, but at the time that Sean got fired from this podcast and from CBS sports in general and sports media in general, forcing him into a law career, um, that I'm sure he's thriving at. He's not even I out of law yet. It's pathetic. I mean, hey, by the way, smash that like button if you're watching on YouTube and you haven't hit it yet. I uh, preferred at the time Doug Peterson over Sean McVay. If I were doing my coaching ranking setting into 2022, Sean McVay, Sean McVay is top five. Yeah. Doug Peterson's got to climb back up that list. Well, well, yeah, and it's weird though. Like, do you rank, if you're doing coaching rankings, do you rank new hires who have already been head coaches? You know what I mean? Like usually, you're like, well, we don't like to rank. That have won a Super Bowl too. Yeah, I mean, he would definitely be the. If you're ranking head coaching hires, Doug Peterson's going to be the number one hire because he's won a Super. Like we have, we just have, we oh. know. It, this is what remember I said this about the Giants and Jaguars jobs. I said at the beginning of the thing we were talking about who who were good fits for as candidates that those two organizations needed a guiding hand. Someone who has done it before, you don't have to try and find the next McVeigh. You need to get somebody who can find out if your quarterback, your young quarterback, is good and can play in the NFL and develop them. And that's why I think the Jaguars did a good job here convincing Doug Peterson to, to come there because, yeah, I don't know if he wanted to sit out for another season. That can be a little dangerous for your for your job, you know, job hopes if you miss two seasons. But that one right, he's away. not he's not Sean Payton level where Sean Payton can sit out two or three years and be still the hottest commodity on the market when he whenever he wants to coach Gruden again. Can sit out twelve years and come back, <laughs> cower for a, a certain amount of time, and people are still probably interested in him in his yep. in his mid sixties. Um, you brought up, you know, he'll be at the top of of coaching lists, you know, coaching hires in, in twenty twenty two. I, I do want to bring up. In 2016, and this was cited in, in Jason Kelsey's Super Bowl speech, but oh, Mike Lombardi ranked Doug Peterson as the worst 
head coaching hire of 2016. I believe there were six or seven guys hired that year. That and clown, Michael Barton. I didn't say it. I didn't say it, but maybe. <laughs> I'm pretty sure if you, uh, I guess it's gotten past this, but it's like, if you get, it, it no longer is the first, um, this is the first thing that pops up when you Google Michael Lombardi. It's been long enough. Uh, where is it? I didn't see where it is. Where is, uh, he's like, this past off season, and this is Kelsey in a full, what was the suit he was wearing? Like the Mummers, like, Mummers Day Parade. A Mummers Day Parade suit. And for, I mean, for you young people, you might have missed the Eagles Super Bowl. One of the greatest parades of all time, by the way. He's up on, um, he's up on the podium. And, and yeah, look, you have a Super Bowl parade, you get wasted. I mean, that's just the bottom line. Dudes, these dudes are slamming beer the whole time, and they are loose as a goose when they get up on the microphone. And it's like, it's just everyone is, it's like, look, you can, say, you can basically say whatever you want as long as it's not like something, you know, offensive to another people. Uh, or, you know, you can say to Michael Lombardi, just don't, you know, don't say anything racist or homophobic. You can say whatever you want, uh, and you're going to get away with it. Tom Brady's chucking the Super Bowl around after you know, the, the Lombardi trophy around. Anyway, Kelsey gets up there, and he's like, he said, this past off season." Some clown named Mike Lombardi told him he's the least qualified head coach in the NFL. That's a that's a pretty good Jason Kelsey voice. I didn't know you had that in your repertoire. Yeah. It's been a while since we heard Jerry and 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 your Zeke. Some clown. It's so good. I had to watch that again. Um. Anyway, uh, my man at JHI just said "f you." JHI, funny guy too. They put what do you say? They put Howie Roseman in a closet for years. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Chip Kelly. I don't think he referenced Chip by name. That's they right. Put yeah, Howie in a closet. Did the NFL delete the NFL deleted the the video of it? That's weird. Anywho, um, all right. Anything else on? Uh, Doug. No, I'm glad. I'm glad we get Doug back on the podcast. I feel like even without him coaching this year, Wait, he, he got brought up a decent amount. But now he's he's back on a weekly basis. What happens? Just a hypothetical. I want to throw out there for the for the true pick six pod devotees. What happens if free agent cornerback Patrick Peterson decides to cash in in Jacksonville on a big deal with a big name veteran free agent? That, that fits the Von Miller mold. I think Pat would like to get that ring as well. Uh, doesn't have a ring like like Von Miller. Or um, Or a chance at, at one this year. I'm just but, saying, not that you would not root for the Eagles, but Doug plus Pat P. On the oh, Jaguars. the Jaguars an easy, like, I've never had a, a second team, but they're an easy team to, to pull AFC. They play the Eagles this year, which is a great little wrinkle. Ooh. Hadn't you not bring that up earlier? Doug Revenge? I mean, the Eagles in the AFC South, it's it's Carson Wentz in Indianapolis, we think. Doug in Jacksonville. We might get uh, Jonathan Gannon in Houston. So wow. a lot of Eagles footprints across the AFC it, South. I mean, that's the other thing that we didn't really touch on. The, the Titans are a very stable, good team. I know they lost to this Bengals squad in their first playoff game, and that stings. And they probably felt like they had a shot at making a run to the Super Bowl. But – the I mean they are a they're a stable team, but they're not like the Patriots dynasty or the Chiefs or you know you feel like uh, if you're if you're Doug Peterson taking over the Jaguars that man it's like I know what Indy's got and it ain't good you know Houston's a disaster and yeah. I got Trevor Lawrence and Titans have Mike Vrabel but just have Ryan Tannehill and a banged up Derrick Henry 
you have you would have to think that you know of all the jobs where the the division is maybe up for grabs obviously Aaron Rodgers in Minnesota notwithstanding it this is probably the best one that plays a role in me kind of saying doubling that win total uh sure. six wins you know Houston I'm not going to say guaranteed two wins by any stretch, but you split with Houston, you pick and up a couple here beaten, and there. And he hadn't beaten the Jaguars in Jacksonville since 2014. Like, and yeah. as I mentioned, you play the NFC East uh, as your cross-conference uh, division that you play. So there's a path, as some may say. <laughs> All right, that's a perfect way to get out of here. There's a path to Doug making the playoffs. Wouldn't that be something? All what right. you got next week, Brinson? Oh. Besides the Bengals pod tomorrow. Bengals pod on Friday. Oh, yeah. For those watching, smash the like button one. Two, we will be doing CBS Sports HQ live from 4 p.m. to 5 p.m. Eastern. Every, I think almost every day next week. Maybe we're missing one day. But if you are a loyal Pick 6 podcast listener, fire up HQ. Come hang out with us. Will we be on YouTube, too? From LA? From Los Angeles. Um, Not for the Pick 6 HQ show. Okay. Not live, but it will make its way to the youtube.com slash pick six afterwards. HQ show will be a little more, uh, a little more, a little more buttoned up. Yeah. I would, I asked if we could wear hoodies and and yoga pants, or like not yoga pants, but uh, joggers. (laughs) I can't even say my pants, right? I'm wearing joggers right now. Like I'm not wearing It's going to be a little, little chilly, I think, out in LA. That's what they said. I'm fully prepared to like put on a, like, is it, we're on a helipad. But there's, there's people from our Florida office telling you that. So, so factor that in as well. Yes. Yeah. That's the thing. It's like, I was looking at the weather. It's like 75. I'm like, this is going to be balmy and perfect compared to like the Miami Super Bowl. You're down there trying not to just sweat your bees off, you know? Um, All right, Diva. Good show. We'll have more information, of course, about the uh, podcast. There was a Long John's mention. Yeah. I'm not going Long John's. I'm a sweaty North Carolina guy with a with a beer. There's also a uh, a pantyhose mention on the Bengals pod tomorrow. That's right. Jim Breach talked about putting on pantyhose before he kicked in the AFC Championship game. I'm not even kidding. You're going to want to check it out. We'll make sure and tweet it, of course, as well. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. You guys are, as always, the best. For Devo, I'm Brinson. We will see you guys later. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend, or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.